Okay, we're going to be in Psalm 32, if you have your Bible. If you don't, you better have it memorized. In the book, it's 582, page 582. If any of you uh, are living in a cocoon and didn't know that Today was 4th of July. It is. For those of you that think that the 4th of July is just about making a lot of noise, it isn't. 4th of July actually, in case you weren't aware, 234 years ago was the day that the Declaration of Independence was signed on July 4th, 1776. And my wife and I were talking last night and wondering how many people doing all the fireworks, how many of us remember that it really is about the freedom that is ours. We live in amazing freedom. And after we read, I'm just going to thank the Lord for that. And we're going to spend some time talking about freedom this morning. Um, if you've been in other countries, and we've been in a few other countries, we've lived in some other countries, we, we've lived in rebel territory, heard gunfire every day for a year and a half, heavy artillery, didn't know if we were going to survive a night when the rebels attacked a city that we lived in. Freedom is wonderful, and we take it for granted. Um, and not only do we take our our liberty for granted, the country that we live in, and it's an amazing country with all of its faults. It is an amazing country. We take our, we take our inner freedom for granted too, I think. Our spiritual, emotional, mental freedom for granted. And we're going to talk about true freedom this morning. Uh, but first of all, if you have Psalm 32, I'd like you to stand and Follow along with me as I read, please. And if any of you wonder why we stand, it's a secret. No, I was kidding. <laughs> no. We're just standing out of honor for God's word and our God who wrote it, gave it to us. Psalm 32. Oh, what joy! For those whose rebellion is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me, my strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. It's great imagery. Verse 5, finally, I confessed all of my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide them. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And notice this, you forgave me, and all my guilt is gone. Oh, that's beautiful. Therefore, let all the godly confess their rebellion to you while there is time. 
that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Don't be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. How many times do you think God thinks that way about us? (laughs) Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad in all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. Ah, it's a great psalm. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this country that you've um, blessed us to live in. Father, it's easy for us to complain uh, and bellyache about all the problems, and there are no lack of problems, but God, there are a lot of blessings, and we are a blessed people, and I can think of a whole lot of other countries where if I was living right now, it would be a lot different. Thank you, Father, for the freedom that is ours. Thank you for those who have sacrificed their lives, given their lives for our freedom. Father, help us to pray for and bless and appreciate this country even as we work for it to be better. And Father, I pray that this morning you would also stir our hearts to be truly free people. Free on the inside. Full of the joy that this psalm talks about. Uh, people who are just liberated and, and, uh, and, and, and free and happy and joyful because we live lives that are right before you. God bless this time and teach us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may sit down. I don't know anything else about Patrick Henry except for the one phrase that I have probably quoted many times and a phrase that probably many of you know. Give me liberty or give me death. How many of you have heard that phrase? That's pretty good. I must admit you stayed awake in school that day. (laughs) Give me liberty or give me death. In our American culture today, it would seem that a lifestyle of liberty is a lifestyle to the contrary often leads to death. I want you to think about that. The lifestyle of liberty that is promulgated, that is, that is glorified in the United States of America today is, all, is, is actually a lifestyle that leads to death, not to life. Freedom's a funny thing. And I want you to to get these two little phrases I'm going to say because I think they capture what we're going to talk about this morning. Freedom is a funny thing where often those who are the most free, I'll say, are the least free. 
And those who are the least free are the most free. Let me give you an example. I was reading a few weeks ago in a magazine called Voice of the Martyrs that I've shared from a few times. And it had the story of a pastor in Vietnam who was incarcerated in hard labor and prison in Vietnam. He's in, there. He's in prison right now in Vietnam for his faith and his bold witness for Jesus Christ in that communist country. Because of the prayers and petitions and letters and emails of Christians from all over the world, the communist country of Vietnam offered to release him early, which is wonderful. But he refused to be released early from hard labor and prison in a communist country and is in prison there today because he has seen so many of his fellow prisoners come to Christ that he wants to stay in prison to disciple them. Least free, most free. You see that? Least free, most free. Consider the lifestyle of what is glorified in the media every day of the week. I mean, I know that because I get my news input from Google Mail. <laughs> and on Google Mail, every day there are little snippets and little gossips and little stories of the lives, the lifestyles of the rich and famous that are splashed before us constantly glorifying their, I would say, wanton, that's an old word, maybe some of you don't know that, their wanton, their living it up, live however you want, do whatever you want, whenever you want, immoral, hard partying. I, I was reminded of it yesterday as I, there was a story maybe yesterday, the day before, of Paris Hilton uh, attending the World Cup in South Africa and arrested for marijuana smoking, but, but it was a misunderstanding. But I'm sure those of us who, she was, I'm sure her millions of dollars took care of that <laughs> and helped it to become a misunderstanding. The hard party and immoral drinking, drugging lifestyles that are glorified before us constantly and yet and yet, the new, and yet at the same time, the news stories that are put before us, and they're not connected, but they are connected, bemoaning or at least gossiping about the suicides and the drug overdoses and the divorces and the depression and the shambles and the misery of said lives. Most free, whatever they want. They got the means to do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want, and yet the least free. Why do we who have the most freedom often live the least free? That's the question I'd like us to ponder this morning. John Milton, who wrote Paradise Lost, said, Nations grown corrupt love bondage more than liberty, bondage with ease rather than strenuous liberty. Get that? I'm going, to, I'm going to say it again. Nations grown corrupt, and I think our nation could fit into that category. 
Nations grown corrupt love bondage more than liberty, bondage with ease rather than strenuous liberty. Could it be that the liberty we run after is really leading us into slavery? Whereas true freedom is what is so often perceived as bondage. I want you to think back to Adam and Eve just a second before we get into Psalm here. If there ever was and there never has been since Adam and Eve individuals that have experienced and enjoyed freedom. I mean, absolute, beautiful, unbounded freedom. I mean, right relationship with God, right relationship with one another, right relationship with the animals and the angels. Everything was bliss and happiness and peace and joy in the Garden of Eden with God and everything else in harmony with one another. Absolute beautiful freedom. They had it. In, and this is the important thing I want you to get, in absolute dependence upon God. That's where their freedom, their absolute freedom was in absolute dependence upon God. And then if you remember, there was a little voice. Did did God really say, did, did God really say that? You've got to be kidding. God really said you can't eat from that tree? That's ridiculous. If you eat from that tree, I mean, which is the most beautiful of all the trees and the most, the most tasty of all the trees, and it will make you like God. And it'll make you, you'll know things like God knows. I, can't, I don't think God meant that. And then he says, no, you won't die like God said. And so these two individuals, Adam and Eve, in the midst of enjoying absolute freedom, joy, peace, bliss that went along with that, in absolute dependence upon God, in listening to the lies of the evil one, those little doubts, those little insinuations, God is cheating you. Those are the doubt, those are the little voices in our ears, aren't we? This is life. This is freedom. This is liberty. This is joy. This is happiness. This is pleasure. And we listen to them like Adam and Eve listened to them. And instead of absolutely depending upon God, they rebelled against God and shame. Whereas they were described as naked and unashamed, the next time we see them, they're sowing fig leaves and, and hiding as God walks into the garden, ashamed. Fear, anxiety placing blame on one another, experiencing conflict, separation from one another, no longer truly free. We have too often believed a lie about what freedom is. And as a result, our lives are like described in Psalm 32. True freedom is not experienced, and I want us to get this, it's not experienced in rebellion. And in, our, and in our society today, they're almost put together that, it, that you can't be free unless you're just doing whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. Who cares about anyone else? It's, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. That's not true freedom. And we see that in the story of Adam and Eve, and we, 
we see that in the stories and the biographies and the testimonies that we see splashed on our news every day of the week and, and in our own lives, right? As we've believed the lies and have chosen to live independently of God and aren't enjoying freedom. True, true freedom, this is the point. So if you want to go to sleep, this is it. True freedom. I wasn't looking at you for a reason. <laughs> true freedom is experienced in living in right relationship with God, our Creator, who created us in His image to live life to its fullest in relationship with Him. It is the only way to experience true freedom. True freedom is living life in right relationship with God. So we're going to look at Psalm 32. Psalm 32, better, I believe, than any other passage in the Scripture, describes true freedom. And how to enjoy it, what keeps us from it, how to get back into it, and how to be truly free. So let's look at it really quickly. As we come to Psalm 32, if you, if you look at your Bible, you notice it, it breaks down into four sections. In the book, each section is, look at, look at the end of verse 4. If you have an older Bible, uh, like a, well, not even old, New, New International Version, King James, New American Standard, it probably says Selah at the end of verse 4, right? Selah? The, the book says interlude. And notice at the end of verse 5, the same thing, interlude. At the end of verse 7, interlude. And so the psalm is broken into four sections that, are, that kind of just outline and lead us through an understanding of what God is teaching us here about true freedom. And the word selah, really that's what it means, is interlude or pause. It's, for those of you that don't know, the psalms are songs, right? In fact, the, the Jewish people sang these. Um, they sang them as they went to the temple on feast days. They sang them when they were in the temple. They, they sang them on special occasions, on the Sabbath and festivals and feasts. And These are songs. And so as you go through this song, and, and I'm not going to sing it for you, in case you're wondering, but it's like, it was a pause, okay? So they say it was like kind of like maybe four verses of the same song, okay? Four verses. And I tell you, as you go through this psalm or this song, I, I think we can understand why there needs to be a pause be, between each one of these sections because David, who's writing this song and, and singing this song, it's, 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 like, it's like his story. It's like his... What, what he's experiencing, and it's like as he goes through it, he just needs to pause each part of the way so that it kind of sinks in what he's singing about and telling us about. Verses 1 to 4, we're going to start there. And I'm going to kind of just capture each section uh, by, a, by a word that might help you to remember it. As we come to verses 1 through 4, we're starting with a contrast, okay? Notice what it contrasts. Oh, what joy for those whose rebellion is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. What joy for those who record, whose record the Lord has cleared of sin, whose lives are lived in complete honesty, versus 
when I refused to confess my sin, I was weak and miserable and I groaned all day long. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat, meaning there was, he had no more strength. So you see the contrast? There's a contrast between the individual who's living in right relationship with God and the individual who's living in rebellion against God. And this is how the song is introduced, and it's kind of the point of the psalm. It says, do you see? Do you see the difference? And do you understand the difference in your own life? I mean, think about, think about, and, and, and I love it because it talks about the emotional and physical and mental misery that comes. It, it, they're all here. When I refuse to confess my sin, when I refuse to admit that I was in rebellion against God, that I wasn't living in right relationship with God, I was weak and I was miserable and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy and my strength evaporated like water in the summer. There was nothing left physically, emotionally, mentally. I was spent because of my sin and my rebellion, because of my separation from God. Unfortunately, I think that... um, Sometimes we get too used to our separation from God. And I think this is how it starts out. You know, when we, our conscience is pricked, we're aware that something isn't right, that we're living our own way, doing our own thing in rebellion against God, and as a result, our conscience is pricked and our soul is stirred and we know something's wrong. But what happens if we just ignore it? Or we put it off, or we keep doing it. I mean, little by little, I mean, some of you might be sitting here saying, thinking, you know, I am doing my own thing, and I'm having a great time doing it. And that's a scary place to be, because that means, as the Bible says, your conscience is becoming seared, and your heart is becoming heart, and the work of the Holy Spirit seeking to draw you back into true right relationship with God and true freedom. You've become to accept slavery. What a scary place to be. And that's, that, honestly, that's, that's, that's the, where, where most of our world is at, I believe. And maybe where many of us are at this morning where we've, so got used to living separated from God and not in right relationship with God, living dishonest lives, secret lives, that we become dull to it and we've come to accept that all that is really available for us is slavery. That's a contrast. I want you to see it. True freedom is living in right relationship with God. Misery slavery, bondage, is doing our own thing. Verse 5. Well, the psalmist, as he just, as David was refusing to confess his sins, and some have guessed that maybe this psalm refers to the time when he committed adultery with Bathsheba, murdered her husband, Uriah, and for almost nine months... (laughs) 
resisted God's probing and working in his heart and that this describes those nine months of misery where he was trying to ignore God's work in his heart and trying to say, oh, this is great, this adultery, this immorality, it's great. I'm just, I'm living life like I never lived it before. That little by little, it just wore until his strength was evaporated like water in the summer heat. And God sent a prophet Nathan to him and said, David, you're this man. As he told him a story in verse 5, confession. David says, finally, I confessed my sins to you, all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide them. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Two things we need to see here. Number one is the only way to be be back in right relationship with the Lord if this morning you're living in slavery. Slavery to doing whatever you want to do, whenever you want to do it, however you want to do it, not living in right relationship, the only way to be right is to confess, to admit it, to say, God, I am not. I might put on like I'm, everything's hunky-dory and life is great and I'm living it up, but in my heart I'm miserable. God, I, I admit it. I admit I am a slave to my sin. I am not experienced true freedom that comes from living in right relationship with you. We need to confess it. And the second part of it is when we confess our sins, as it says in 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love these phrases. It says, you forgave me, all my guilt is gone. Isn't that beautiful? That means everything's right again between us and God. If we come before him and we just acknowledge who we are, and how we've wandered and, and how we need him and how we've, how we've sinned against him, he'll forgive us and he won't hold it over us. He says, all my guilt is gone. And that's so unlike so often how we respond to each other, isn't it? We'll tell somebody, I forgive you, but we kind of hold it over their heads, you know? <laughs> he says, you forgave me and all my guilt is gone. How can he do that? because he's faithful and just, because Jesus on the cross said it is finished. The debt is paid completely. And what Jesus did, the Father accepted. And everything that we bring before him and we confess, he's faithful to forgive and no more guilt. Verse six, verse six and seven. So we come to a command then. Verse 6 and 7, a command. Therefore, David says, he's been through it. (laughs) He's experienced trying to put off dealing with his sin. And then he confessed his sin and he, he understands forgiveness and that he's right with God again. Notice, he says, therefore, let all the godly confess their rebellion to you while there is time. It's a command for us as we read this. So let's confess while there's time. Let's confess. If we're not living in right relationship with God, let's come before him and he's faithful and he's just and he wants to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and and bring us back into a right relationship with him to true freedom. Not the false freedom that surrounds us so much. I'm free, I'm just doing whatever I want to do. Slavery. 
Therefore, let all the godly confess their rebellion to you while there is time that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. And I think this is really referring back to verse 3 where David is talking about the condemnation and the judgment that he's experiencing himself in his own conscience as he's living in his sin and refusing to admit his sin and, and trying to convince himself that he's really free and he's really living and he's really living it up. And he's just being bogged down and beat down by the shame and the guilt and the condemnation. Therefore, let all the godly confess their rebellion to you while there is time that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. You know, there's no need it's from this passage to just <laughs> to live that way. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. And so then we end with the conclusion. The Lord says, I will guide you. I mean, kind of listen to this as God, God talking right to you. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. Trust me. That's what God told Adam and Eve. You know, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good. Just trust me. Depend upon me. Take me at my word that I have what is in best in store for you. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Don't be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Don't be constantly, and this is so often how we are, isn't it? We're just constantly chafing at the bit. Saying, God, why this? God, why that? Why don't, God says, just trust me. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. And the conclusion, I think, is just simply saying, trust God, obey God, Listen to God. Listen to what he says. Trust and obey him, and the result will be joy, life, peace, true freedom. I want to just kind of wrap it up. Four things that I think kind of capture this psalm as we think about true freedom. Number one, God is life, joy, and peace. That's the foundation. God is life, joy, and peace. Do you believe that this morning? If you don't believe that, that's the starting point. If you believe that life is in just doing whatever you feel like doing, saying whatever you feel like saying, going wherever you feel like going, then you're never going to experience real life, real joy, real peace. That's slavery. God is life, joy, and peace. And I would encourage you, if, if you struggle with what I just said, God is life, joy, and peace. Like Rocky referred to Psalm 16. Beautiful. It says, in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. Do you believe that? Do we believe that? If, that if we walked in the presence of the Lord, we would be experiencing real joy. That's the first thing. The second thing is living in right relationship with God brings us into life, joy, and peace. Okay? It's kind of like if electricity, there's an electrical outlet, or 
electrical outlet right there. If the power is in that outlet, how am I going to access that power for the T-pump pot by plugging into that? How do I experience life, joy, and peace? If God is life, joy, and peace, number two, living in right relationship with him is where I will experience life, joy, and peace. Number three, living in rebellion against God in sin, doing my own thing, my own way, living in rebellion against God, therefore sabotages life, joy, and peace, right? Kind of like me walking up and just unplugging it. No more power. I mean, I can yell at the thing, I can kick it, I can do whatever I want, but it's not going to work. And Erica wouldn't like it if I did that anyway. Sin and rebellion sabotages. Isn't that amazing? The very things, the very lies, the insinuations that we listen to, that we're attracted to, like Adam and Eve were listening to the enemy. You've got to be kidding. God's, God's trying to keep you from... T- The things we listen to, the lies we listen to, are the very things that sabotage and keep us from life, joy, and peace. Therefore, number four, what's the point? Get in right relationship with God. (laughs) With life, joy, and peace. How does that need to happen? According to this psalm, that needs to happen as we quit ignoring, putting off, thinking that if I just slug through this and, the, and as the misery keeps growing and as the anxiety and the fears and the bitternesses and the anger and, and all those things that just wreak havoc inside of us, that slavery, we need to confess them. We need to bring them before God and say, God, I've been doing it my own way, doing my own thing, living in rebellion against you and I'm tired of it. I'm miserable. I want freedom. I want freedom. Confession and restoration, and he's faithful to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Two more things before I pray. Number one, did you notice, and we see it all through the psalm, but it kind of captures it in verse 8 as, as it concludes. Did you notice how eager God is for us to be in right relationship with him? It's all through this psalm, and and we need to get it because the most amazing thing about us being in right relationship with God is that it's what God longs for. It's what God pursues. God longs to be gracious to us, it says in Isaiah. Isn't that amazing? God loved us when we were still sinners, Christ died for God. God just longs to be gracious to us. He longs for us to be free. And it's amazing because he doesn't need us. You know, he can say, I'm tired of you, Dave. Get out of the, you know, I'm done with you. But as a father and me, his child, he just longs for me to be in right relationship. Like I do for my own children. I can't, I mean, a, a true parent can't say to their kid who's in rebellion, just to hell with you. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. That's not a true parent. It's not a true father. But one who will say when they're, when they're rebelled against and when they're, that uh, keeps pursuing them, that's God. He longs for us to be in right relationship with him. So it's really not, 
it's really not even our initial initiative. It's God that's tugging at us. It's maybe God through me speaking to you this morning saying, get back in the right relationship with me. I long to be gracious to you. I long for you to enjoy my peace and my life and my joy, not the slavery and the misery that you're going through right now in rebellion against me. And the second thing, and this is it, is do you notice how much better it is to get right now? I mean, the whole point of this psalm is, he says, I didn't confess and I keep things as a secret. It's just, I mean, he kept going until it's like he had nothing left. But he went day and night, day and night. And I think the point of this psalm is, it's not necessary that we go through all that. Today can be the day where we make things right with God. Today can be the day when I say, okay, I'm going to quit listening to the lies. I'm going to quit following after an elusive pipe dream that somehow I can be in rebellion against God and live life and enjoy life. It's not going to happen because God made us in his image to experience life in relationship to him, not apart from him. And that's the sad story of the Bible from Adam and Eve onward that the story of Trying to live life separated from God is slavery. It's not freedom. But the second beauty of the story of the Bible is God's pursuit of us. This morning, he wants us to be in right relationship with him, to enjoy him, to experience his life, his joy, his peace. And it's available. This psalm tells us how. Come before him. Say, God. Here I am. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Teach me. I want to listen. I want to trust. I want to obey. True freedom. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have for us in Jesus made all the provision to live in right relationship with you. It's not something, a bunch of steps that we have to go through. It's not a book that I got to read. It's simply coming and confessing and accepting your forgiveness, trusting and obeying you. Father, I pray for us today that we would be a people that don't accept slavery or the lie of false freedom, but we're a people that really wants to live in true freedom. In Jesus' name, amen.